It's a trap! Hello and welcome to episode number 199 of Radio TCX. I'm Tim Dugan and I am joined by one of my usual co-hosts. You know him as Five Tie Reapers. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Some people call you John McDermott, but I think uh, I think that's the end of that era is over. You're now Five Tie, Re- Five Tie Reaper guy. I mean, it's better than Rat Boy. Better, definitely better than Rat Boy. Well, that'll still be your call sign though, I think. Um, and over in Carson's seat, Carson was, since he was not able to attend LVO, was gracious enough to give up his seat so we could have the magnificent Paul Olson on here. Hey, I'm replacing Carson, <laughs> not only in the event, but also on the podcast, at least this week. And I'm okay with it. Uh, Paul was formerly well known for his top eight finish at Worlds, and now he's got a. I mean, it's. I don't know if it's a better accolade. I think it's about on par, right? I think so. I'm super proud of how it ended up. Um, yeah, ended up in the finals for the Fly Better Grand Championship, the Las Vegas Open. And uh, you know, both John and I did make uh, top sixty-four and top thirty-two respectively, but we will dedicate most of our attention to Paul here since I'm sure that's what most of you want to listen to. So <laughs> today we're going to be recapping our experience at the Las Vegas Open, looking at the lists we ran, um, which I think is a fun discussion because we all ran very different stuff at this event. Definitely. And uh, then we're going to look a little bit at uh, how our expectations. We talked in last week's episode about our expectations for the event. We can see how those panned out and all the things that surprised us. So lots of great stuff to talk about today. So let's get into our conversation about the Fly Better Grand Championship at LVO. All right, so for anybody who has not been keeping track or didn't listen to last week's episode, they might not have known the Las Vegas Open is a uh, wargaming tournament held in Las Vegas, uh, which was fun because this was all three of us's first experience in Las Vegas, right, guys? What an experience it was, Tim. My goodness. <laughs> it's going to be uh, my first and only, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to go back. The event was great, though. The Fly Better guys did an awesome job, so we'll give them a proper shout-out later, but... Uh, the Fly Better Grand Championship was an official uh, X-Wing Grand Championship being run by the fine folks over at the Fly Better podcast. They did a phenomenal job this weekend, so can't give them enough kudos. The main event went by super well. They handled a couple uh, out-of-control errors, things that they could not have prepared for really well. And the side event was super cool, too. So awesome event. But that yeah, that ran this past weekend, January 24th through 26th. Extended format for the Grand Championships. And they, I think they had nearly 300 players playing over uh, two different heats. So one on Friday, and then we all played on Saturday. Leading into a top 64 cut comprised of the top 32 from both of the heats. Um, and that top 64 cut, obviously, elimination rounds down to the final table where Paul almost took the whole thing. Lost by the narrowest margin possible. I mean, whenever a final goes to literal final salvo, uh, it's <laughs> exciting. It Well, I guess it usually is if, like, things are dying. If it was, like, 200 and 200, nobody shot anything for two hours, that would be really boring. <laughs> but, like, uh, that game, there was action every single round. Uh, it, it was high stakes, but at the same time, like, was just having fun. But we'll talk about that more later. But, yeah, what a great finish. Yeah, and I mean, a huge congratulations, obviously, to Zach Bart for winning the whole LVO Fly Better Grand Championship. He did a phenomenal job. He was flying a list that's a little bit familiar, got some uh, archetypes we've seen before. Soonterfell, targeting computer crack shot, two Inquisitors with concussion missile fire control system, which have become one of the, I think, probably the best ship values in X-Wing. 
think that's been pretty well established after their performance at Worlds. Yeah, I think so. But what makes the two Inquisitors shine is the last piece of Zach's list, which is Colonel Jendon, because you get that action efficiency of getting that target lock out early. And with Soontir having targeting computer, that means he has a target lock as well. Zach did the strategy in our game, and I'm sure he did it uh, the entire weekend as well, where he'd have Soontir target lock somebody close to who he was going to be concussion, concussion missiling with his two Inquisitors later to be able to flip that damage card that he applied with Soontir's initial attack. Which was not good news for you at the final table, I know that, because you have a lot of <laughs> ships that were all usually within range one of each other. That's very true. Although, I will note, if you go back to watch that game, I did range control well with a ship that got a damage on it early, so that that trigger didn't happen in the initial round. It did later, but at that point, he actually hit one of his own Inquisitors as well, which could have killed it if it was a direct hit. Right, which could have been a lot worse. So that risk was pretty high for him. But yep. yeah, so huge congratulations to Zach for winning that event. And uh, though I, I feel like, you know, since this is the Radio TCX podcast, and Paul, we like to claim you anytime you do well at a tournament as being I'll part of the it. Radio <laughs> TCX team. <laughs> Just another platform for you to uh, share your victory. Uh, we all did pretty good, though. I mean, obviously, Paul, you made it to the final table. So huge congrats to you, man. That oh, was a phenomenal you. run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. But I, I'll take some time and brag on you, Tim and John. Um, so we'll start with John. So John... For those of you who don't know, took five Reapers to this tournament uh, in extended format. And I'll tell you what, he was the talk of the town while we were there. Like, people literally did double takes. Like, wait a second, how many Reapers are over there? And, like, John and I talked about it ahead of time where he would just, like, take one Reaper out at a time and just watch the expression on his, <laughs> on his opponent's face as he was doing it. Uh, it was absolutely hilarious. Um, John, I don't know if you want to talk about <laughs> that squad a little bit later. Um, but... To make uh, cuts specifically with that squad is truly impressive. He went four and two yeah. um, doing that and uh, finished in the top 64 overall. So really well done, John. Thanks, man. Yeah, gave it my all. Um, I'm never flying that list ever again. Uh, burn <laughs> to the ground, throw it in the trash. Uh, it was fun for like five minutes in the first game. Then I was like, yeah, I got uh, like 10 more hours of this. So uh, let's get it going. But, uh, but yeah, thanks, Paul. How does it feel, though, to be known as Thai Reaper guy, though? Are you comfortable with being the, you know, people look over at the adjacent table and they go, oh, man, it's Thai Reaper, dude. He's got the five Thai Reapers. I mean, it's fine, probably because, like, no one's ever going to see five Thai Reaper dude ever again, right? So now I can just have <laughs> whatever I want, like, under the radar. And I'll be like, oh, that's a cool list you got. And in my head, I'll be like, but you know what it's not? It's not five Reapers. Well, and John, if anyone else brings it, you were the first person to bring it to a major tournament. That is right. for sure. Because it was right after the points drop. And so if anyone does it, it's like, oh, you're just copying what that guy brought at LVO. So you are the original. I'll just apologize for it now then. <laughs> I think the only uh, greater accolade you can get in X-Wing than winning a major tournament is to become like a list architect where people associate you with a certain list. And I really feel like you've like really established yourself here because people will run it like now that they've seen it do pretty well. Like, you know, you made top cut. That's a really good job. So they're going to start throwing those out at all their extended tournaments. So um, which is I'm sure going to bring a lot of consternation to both the people who fly against it and the people <laughs> who realize what a drag it is to fly. And, you know, what's funny is like a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago at this point, Paul and I were talking about lists and Paul was trying to think of something fun to fly at a like random jank night. And he's like, hey, I've got a list with like three Reapers. And I said, well, you know, it's better than three. He's like, what? <laughs> I said four. And then <laughs> and then the points dropped and Paul's like, hey, you know, what's better than four Reapers. And I was like, uh, five. 
<laughs> so some credit goes to you, Paul. You, but you had the Quavos to actually fly that, man. <laughs> so well done there. Um, and I want to hear a little later too about, okay, so why is that list able to perform well? Because it doesn't seem like it on the onset. Um, yeah, anyway, might be good conversation later. Um, but moving on sure. to Tim. Oh, Tim man. went undefeated in Swiss, y'all. Six and O with a list that is first order and hyperspace legal. That is insane. <laughs> Tim, walk us Top through your FO list. player for day two. So it's it's become kind of a Radio TCX trope. I think this is true for Carson, too, is that every major uh, tournament we've run that's been extended, so all the system opens from the past year before they sw- you know switched over, uh, we've always run hyperspace lists, mostly because we were running the smaller factions, so most of their stuff was all legal. Um, but yeah, that just kind of became a tradition for me now, and I don't think I can break it. And I think I'm also <laughs> pretty much a dedicated First Order player. All systems will bow to the First Order um and you know i have to represent the team and i think there's really no better way to represent the first order than just running pure first order glory ships like there are only two acceptable upgrades in the first order that's proud tradition and fanatical um (laughs) or none you know because you just run on sheer tyranny of will uh and that's what we do regen and with vondrig might be a thing (laughs) okay i might i might try that out no it was i i am shocked at my run the funny thing about this is like the run was just oh man all my games were super gritty and the it was like all all went to time i think except for one i think they were all decided by like a 25 point margin or less so it was a lot of at the end game because I can't exactly run away with my ships because the TIE fighters, Kylo can run, but the TIE fighters can't. So like I really have to get start getting picky about who I block and where I put the damage to try to take more points. And man, honestly, the six hardest games of my entire X-Wing career, I think just that sequence, even start to finish, too, because I didn't get, you know, easy first round pair ups. My first two opponents were super competent and. They gave me a run for my money, and I almost—I basically almost lost all six of those games. <laughs> I'm shocked that I was able to pull it out all the way to the end. But I—I I don't know. I like that. I'm—I'm I'm proudest, I think, of that run out of all the X-wing runs I've had because I've been practicing so hard for the past year, and it's nice to see it finally pay off. You should really be proud of that, Tim. Yeah, it was a great run, man. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, what a great run. And top FO finisher in a field of almost 300 is super impressive because there were a lot of first order lists, including the Focho, um, eight (laughs) uh, ties, uh, because now that fits. That's fun. Um, And you're able to go 6-0. and So anyway, really well done, uh, Tim. You should be proud. Thanks, Paul. All right, so let's get down to uh, our experience at LVO and get a little more specific here about what was happening. Um, I did want to give you each an opportunity to just kind of say your overall experience for the event. Um, what did you guys think of how the tournament was run and, uh, yeah, what the games looked like? Yeah, the event was great. Um, I think if I had to describe it in one word, it would honestly probably be exhausting, uh, but it's not a bad thing. Uh, it was just a long weekend, a lot of X-Wing played. Um, the Fly Better guys did a great job. I know day one they had some issues with best coast pairings, um, and you know shocking, when, well, right? When the three of us played, they had switched to cryo decks for the day, um, which I think was the smart choice. But it was a great event. Uh, the time went pretty well. Uh, it was fun to just hang out too. There were a couple other Minnesota people there. Uh, Ryan Creech and Andy Myers were also there, so it was cool to hang out with them um, and just be at the event and experience. Uh, the awe that is Vegas, I suppose. Um, <laughs> it's a spectacle. And hanging out with you two was great, obviously. Uh, it was a really good time. 
um, one of my X-Wing highlights for sure. So it was a good weekend. Yeah, for me, um, it was super fun to be able to travel, uh, the three of us together, and all do really well in different ways, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that was awesome. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was a really good camaraderie. Um, but yeah, the event itself was amazing. Uh, John already talked about this, but D and Ryan went above and beyond to make sure the player experience was really good, making sure judging, uh, was fair. Um, I was amazed at all of the volunteers that they had like running it as well. Um, including, uh, D's wife, uh, Dallas Parker was out there. Um, and even, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the former, the former producer for the fly better guys as well, um, was running things. Uh, like Steven the prize table. Gonzalez. Yes, Steven Gonzalez. Um, I just, I don't think a better event could be run. And the fact that it was really run by players of the game, like, I mean, not really anything official FFG. It was an official FFG tournament, but these were guys that are not on FFG's payroll that were just saying, you know what, we're going to put an amazing event on um, for the players. Um, couldn't be more proud of the efforts that those guys did um, and really set the tone for the entire event. I thought they did a phenomenal job, and I think it really is a testament to their passion for the game, too, because, you know, X-Wing has an amazing community, generally very positive, and I think the Fly Better guys have really, you know, been at the center of that for a long time because they've been podcasting so long, advocating for the game, and I think it reflects their dedication to the game that they ran such a phenomenal tournament. So I, I thought it was awesome. I'm not such a huge fan of Vegas, but I guess that's just kind of a, <laughs> a personal taste thing. But uh, working within that environment, they did an awesome job. And the, like the bonus prize support they had was awesome. They had some really cool templates that they uh, gave out for their side event prizes. They had these awesome custom-made poker chips for each win you got. So that was really cool to have. I think that's one of the coolest uh, participation prizes I've ever seen. Yeah, that was super cool. It was an exhausting weekend. I'll agree with John. It was funny on Sunday night, wasn't it, John? At like 7 p.m., you looked at me and you're like, Tim, we haven't been here for, we've been here for barely 48 hours and it feels like a week and a half. Like, Oh, man, that I was, was so true. wiped. Like, I, Paul, so many kudos for making it to that final table and sticking it out. Like, even, I made this comment to Tim a couple of times, like, even watching Dallas, like, make range checks and arc <laughs> checks, every time he stood up, I thought he was just going to pass out and fall over. Yeah, like, fall asleep like, on the everyone table. Everyone was so tired. Oh, man. Well, thanks, John. <laughs> it was quite the event, though. I was definitely sore and tired, and that's the first time I've actually took any type of painkillers <laughs> before tournament i turned to tim right before and i was like tim do you have any tylenol i'm dying here <laughs> so you can actually see on stream uh if you watch it back me popping a few bills before the tournament that was great and then zach needed some too so you guys were both like swapping pills across yes. the table oh man it, <laughs> it was good well and i th i think it was when we were having dinner at margaritaville before we went to the airport on sunday we were all sitting there and then i think all three of us at about the same time just hit a wall and realized how tired yeah, we were just like the adrenaline had worn off yes it's like i'm eating my food it's like i'm gonna die <laughs> the drinks were okay they were pretty good all right, so let's talk. Let's talk about the list here because people want to know about our uh, our event run list. Uh, Paul, we'll probably close out with you, I think, sure. because you had the the biggest run there. So, John, how about you start us off telling us about what list did you run? Yeah, so start with me because I had the weakest run. Right, that's the strat here. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think you had the most interesting run. Sure. So, um, 
you can see a picture of my squad list on Facebook, courtesy of Sarah Tessum posting it. But uh, yeah, I flew five uh, Scarif base pilots. It's the I-1 Reaper. No upgrades. That's it. And that is that list. Like I, I was judging you like right before the event because you switched up a little bit. Because I think like as of a week and a half ago, you were going to run four arcs, um, and then you switched over. You're going to just run your Imperial Aces, and then was it like the day before you switched over to four or sorry five Tie Reapers? Yeah, it was something like that. I was pretty set on the four arcs just because I had done fairly well with it at Gen Con and figured that I could probably make cut with it at the Fly Better Grand Championship. Uh, didn't have great luck with it practicing for like two weeks before um, the event came around. So I was like, maybe I should just fall back on my Imperial Aces again because I can consistently perform with those. And then th- mm-hmm. I think it was like Wednesday when Miniatures Market was announcing that they were having a 50% off sale. Paul was like, hey, should I buy us three Reapers? And I was like, yeah, sure, go for it. Because we had talked about flying the five Reapers just for fun. And then I think Thursday night, Paul's like, Reaper should be here by the end of the day. You should fly it this weekend. Yeah, they got there super fast. <laughs> and I was like, there's there's no way I'm flying five Reapers. And then like 10 minutes later, I texted him back. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I will fly five Reapers. That sounds okay. <laughs> so, John, to interrupt you a little bit, what people don't realize is that you had no practice flying this at all. You went in cold <laughs> to this tournament and still made freaking cut. That's amazing. Like, the Fly Better guys talked about it. Yeah, my first <laughs> game on Saturday was the first time I had five of them on the table. <laughs> yeah, the Fly Better guys are like, man, this guy must have been practicing super hard to make cut with that. That's incredible. Like, Nope. Nope, went in cold, which speaks to your skill flying them, dude. Like, that's insane to me. It It's a slog, man. This is something I've noticed about John too. And I think um, like between, you know, me, Carson and John, um, me and Carson tend to put in a lot of practice with a list and that's kind of how we hone our skill on it. Oh, me too. John is very versatile in that he can take most any list and he's got such a good mind for this game that he can just figure out how it's supposed to work and, you know, play it at a pretty high level right out of, out of the box. So I'm not surprised he didn't need any practice to, you know, break into the top 64. I think with practice, you probably would have been five and one at least. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I appreciate that, Alkali. That's uh, that's high praise coming from the supreme leader of the first. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that right still belongs to the people with uh, template holders. But you know, I'll get there eventually. I got the range rulers and the damage deck, so that's a start. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll look at my list here, which was an uh, another upgradeless list. So me and John had an affinity for no upgrades this uh, this run. But did you have a bid? <laughs> I did, thanks to the points update. So uh, my worlds list was very similar to this. So at worlds, I ran uh, Kylo Ren with no upgrades in the Tie Silencer. I ran two I two Tie SFs. That's the Zeta Squadron Survivor. I ran Scorch, which is the I-4 FO that when you are not stressed, you can take a stress to roll an extra attack die. And then at Worlds, I ran the I-1, I think it's Epsilon Squadron Cadet. Thanks to the points update, I was able to save a couple points, upgrade that I-1 to the I-2 Zeta Squadron Pilot, and my whole list now clocked in at uh, 199 instead of 200. So I got a little bit of one-point bid. Uh, That was actually never relevant even once at this tournament. (laughs) Um, but, uh, that didn't seem to, to stop me. What I will say about my run was, I, like I said earlier, these were the six hardest games 
I've ever played. And what I actually kind of loved about it was that every list I played in Swiss was completely different. So I started off playing against some Jedi regen. I had to play against uh, M-Rob's four uh, Star Vipers with Crackshot. That was a very complicated game for me uh, because that is not a good matchup. The the thing that my list uh, I I think is interesting is I don't exactly have any good matchups. Right, because like a lot of lists, you have like okay, if I get this matchup, that's really in my favor. If I get this matchup, it's really bad for me. I don't really have any of that in either direction. My list is just okay in most circumstances. Well, then it's a testament to your skill to have gone undefeated. Oh, <laughs> well, that's not what I was fishing for. But I will say, like, you do have to like if if people want to try this list out, and I recommend it. It's fun. Um, there's some tweaks I might make in the future. I'm thinking. Getting another SF in there instead of Scorch might be good. Uh, we'll see about that, though, for hyperspace. But it is totally hyperspace legal. So continuing the Radio TCX tradition at events. Um, I would recommend, if you're going to try it, you you expect your games to go to time. And you really need to be watching your score because you're not yeah. going to have a good way to run away when you're ahead on points. So you need to make sure you're putting the damage where it counts because... Uh, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to catch them up real quick at the end. I feel like that's the biggest difference between first and second edition in general is just keeping track of where am I at points wise compared to my opponent, and knowing what your win condition is. In one point, oh, that was a skill that was kind of important, but there were such heavy alpha strikes um, mm-hmm. and ships that you just couldn't touch. It was much easier to be like, oh yeah, I'm up, so the game's over. Um, Whereas second edition ships can die because mods are harder to come by. And so you really need to know what that looks like. Um, ironic how the final turned out with me saying that, but uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, that's something that I think don't, don't lose. And Tim, you did a great job of doing that, which is, I think a huge part of why you went six and zero. Oh, thanks Paul. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a fun run too. I did make it into that top 64, the top 32 match against a couple E-wings uh, did take me down, but I, I was confident in my run. And, uh, you know, when you're playing a list without upgrades, uh, the dice variance is going to swing a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. A lot of points, it swung in my favor. And then I'm not going to feel bad about the couple times it didn't later on because, you know what, it, it was warranted. Uh, eventually, you have to you have to roll those blanks, right? Yeah. Okay, Paul, so let's get into your list here. You went the furthest of all of us, making it down to that final table against Zach. Uh, what were you flying? Yeah, um, so I was flying a very similar list to what I brought to Worlds this year. Uh, for Worlds, I was flying a bunch of Initiative 3 Separatist drones, um, and I didn't have struts on anything. And at the time, it was because uh, TA-175's timing window was a little different. After the points update, it changed so that once a ship was destroyed, no matter when it happened, you didn't have to wait for the end of initiative, you'd be able to gain all those calculates for your friendlies once the damage cards hit that hull value. So yep. after that change, it became pretty obvious TA-175 is way better than Kraken, and I don't need the <laughs> I-3s anymore. Um, I can go down to I-1s because I don't have to wait for the end of Initiative 2 to get all those Calculate tokens for defense. So swapped over, uh, even with the points increase uh, to Seer, and uh, to TA-175, which went from like 5 to 9 points, I think. I was able to run Seer with TA-175 with Solus 1 as the title, along with seven Separatist drones with all having... Uh, grappling struts. Yeah, so, uh, and d- your world's list, they didn't all have, gra- did any of them have grappling struts no. in your world's variant? None of them the did. Threes. Yeah, yeah, and so the strategy for worlds was, okay, I'm just going to block lanes. Um, I found in testing it that I didn't really need struts to do that. 
uh, I just used that I one um, and and picked those lanes. It was more about I need to kill stuff because especially lower initiative uh, ships, if I killed them, I didn't have to worry about them blocking me. For the I-1s, I needed struts for a couple different reasons. One, uh, if a ship was injured, I needed it to run away to hide (laughs) Um, behind uh, some type of uh, debris or obstacle uh, to get that added agility. Um, And then it could also just kind of rotate in place. Um, And then uh, it was also a way to keep the eight ships together easier. So for the world's list, the I-1 and Seer would just kind of stick together and the other six would just kind of fly together. But with eight ships, it's much harder to do that uh, to make sure that they're all uh, together and in front of Captain Seer. So the strats really made a big deal of making sure that that happened well. And then was also situational because if there were other I-1s that had a bid, I could go for... Uh, debris or asteroids to make sure they were just kind of hanging out and not getting blocked because if you're just sitting there and rotating you can't get blocked Um, or if I was able to win the initiative roll for example I could instead go for those lanes to block so you ended up over the course of the weekend playing 12 games uh, so that's six (laughs) in Swiss and then six more down to the final table yes um which is a which that's a bit of a that's a tough run. Um, I've never done that before, for the record, and I and I found my limit, and it was at the end of the two hour game, uh, yep. of the twelfth game. <laughs> it, I just I hit a mental block, and you can actually see if you watch that game um, back the last round. I just like my my brain was finally mush. It took that yeah. long, <laughs> and I'm proud of that. But um, yeah, if I had remembered how struts work. <laughs> I would have known that I couldn't just three hard that injured drone <laughs> off of that last debris cloud. Right. I needed to two straight <laughs> off of it. Ugh. I made some I made some pretty uh, devastating errors in my stream match in top thirty two. So I don't think you need to feel too bad. <laughs> you <laughs> made it enough. that other two hours. So it is. I think that's one thing for people who haven't played at premiere events before and and played into cut rounds is it is exhausting over the course of a weekend if you're playing X wing at a really high level, and that's a lot of mental fatigue because you're making a lot of decisions. Uh, if your rounds go to time, like I'm sure a lot of ours did, um, you, you don't have much downtime in between rounds. So you just basically refill your water bottle, go to the bathroom, and then get back to playing X-Wing. So that does wear down on you over time. I mean, I was pretty much destroyed towards the end of eight games. So by the time you're getting to 12th, that's just insane. Um, so, but looking at uh, the Sep Swarm, because I think this is going to be relevant for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, are, 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 there, are there hard matchups for you? Um, like out of those 12, what were the games that really gave you a lot of trouble win or loss? So I lost, so I lost more games than Tim, uh, <laughs> at LVO in the main event. Tim only lost one and it was in cut. I, I actually lost two. I wasn't going to bring that up on the uh, podcast, but you know, no, I will as, as another accolade to yourself. But, um, yeah, the, the one game that I lost in Swiss was to something that I think was designed to take down swarms. It was a scum list that had so many tricks that was meant to just do splash damage of any kind. So it was Tarani with Snapshot. That's a ship chassis that the droids really don't want to see because if you're in its bullseye at all, you can't spend any green tokens. That includes friendlies. And then Tarani's ability makes you spend another token or take a damage uh, anyway if you're in that bullseye. And with eight ships, inevitably, something is going to be in that bullseye, um, right. especially because it has a barrel roll and is able to make sure that you have that happen. Well, it's kind of the reverse of what your list is doing, right? Because your Correct. list is a lot about setting arcs and lining up those bullseyes so you can get the seer triggers. So he's taking advantage of that by 
using that to his advantage where there's such a block of ships, he can shoot yep. at something. And when it comes to Sep Swarms, what, from what I've seen, what I've played against, um, it's a lot about just getting ships off quickly because once you get down three drones, Ugh. if you haven't lost much, that gives you a huge advantage in the late game because really yep. where the Seps clean up is at the end where it's just hard to shoot at the ones you want. They're landing on rocks. They're rotating around. Um, yeah. If you can survive their first run and take out a couple ships, you're pretty well set up for the back half of the game. Yeah, and he had uh, Jostro as well. Um, so as soon as that Tarani ability went off, he could get uh, another attack off on my ships. And then he had Constable Zuvio with Proximity Mines, so he could tractor me onto a rock, for example, uh, which doesn't trigger my struts, so I could take a damage that way so that Jostro could shoot. And then he also had Soul, which is the bomber that can, like, curve bombs with Bombardiers, so he could turn that into a two-hard, for example. Jeez. Um, I oh mean, gosh, it was just, gross. it was absolutely disgusting, and I got murdered. He killed three ships before I even shot shot um which doesn't happen with that list and so i mean i'm down three so now all of a sudden instead of eight v4 ships it's four v5 and i'm down um so anyway that that's by far the hardest matchup that i had oh i forgot to mention (laughs) three of the four had dead man switch too so even if i kill them at close range (laughs) i take damage it was just it was awful so what you're saying is is that sep swarms make dead man switch a relevant competitive upgrade Yes, um, and I actually don't know if Dead Man Switch is hyperspace legal, but if it is, and you can equip it, uh, and you're afraid of a Sep Swarm, that's not a bad idea. It's not the worst thing. That'd be a lot of splash damage. Exactly. Oh, oh man. Well, good run, Paul. I, I mean, it was Thanks, fantastic Tim. to see you get there. I, I did, I'm not a huge fan of the Sep Swarm just philosophically, but <laughs> if it means I get to have a uh, high-ranking X-Wing player on my podcast, I guess I'm vain enough to put my prejudice aside. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, but at the same time, if you're not flying stuff that's very good uh, <laughs> when going into a tournament and you want to do well in that tournament, then what are you doing? Not all of us can be as noble <laughs> as you taking a hyperspace list to an extended event, Tim. <laughs> well, it was the first, first order, so uh, sheer sheer tyranny of will uh, is what provides us our victory, not our ship chassis. <laughs> that's fair enough. And for the record, just check, Dead Man Switch is hyperspace legal. Yep. And you can only take it on two things. Okay, so let's look a little bit at uh, uh, the metagame, because we talked about our expectations in last week's episode. Uh, Obviously, you weren't here for that, Paul, but I'm sure you had a lot of similar thoughts to us, but I'm happy to hear what you were expecting versus what you weren't. Uh, But, John, let's start with your experience here, because I think we all faced a lot of different uh, lists in Swiss. Um, what What were the lists that appeared that you were expecting to see, and what were the ones that surprised you? Yeah. So I think our number one expectation was definitely the droid swarm, and I wouldn't say we were disappointed with that. Um, I Give think one on example. Two, oh, Paul flying the subs. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Um, but there were, what, on day two, like, at least 15 sub swarms? Does that sound right, Paul? There were 19 separatist lists. And I think all of them were a swarm of some kind. It, some of them That's were Techno disgusting. Union bombers, um, yeah. but most of them were the actual vultures. Some kind of efficiency. I know Andrew Knuckles, too, had kind of a mixed one there. With He had Gorgle, which I think was the only... Was that the only... Were there Sunfacts out at all? I thought or, I remember seeing at least one or two. Maybe not on our one. day, but... Yeah, yeah there was, was one on, on yeah. day one. Yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah. So that's definitely an archetype we were expecting. Um, always kind of a reliable staple in any tournament system. Uh, the Imperial Aces were doing pretty well. 
um, some oh, combination of, you know, like a TIE Phantom and Darth Vader or the Grand Inquisitor. Um, I-6s were, are good. <laughs> yeah. Even I-5s are pretty good right now. Um, you know, Grand Inquisitor and Whisper are both I-5s. Um, there were a few people flying Ollie's Worlds list specifically. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's strong. It's a pretty solid choice. Uh, Paul, was there anything that you were expecting to see that was there? Yeah, I think John hit a couple. Um, I was expecting to see quite a bit of First Order in general um, because of the points drop for them. Uh, whenever that happens for any type of faction, it just more players flock to it. And then another points drop was the Resistance B for efficiency squads, so specifically the T-70s. And there were quite a few of those flying around um, as well, those lower initiative ones specifically. And I uh, totally agree with both you guys there. I think uh, you kind of hit the main points there. I think it is interesting on the First Order front. Um, that eight tie FO list, I, I think they're calling it FOCHO now or FOCHO. Um, <laughs> I faced it three times. <laughs> yeah, because you, you see uh, uh, the list so nice, you beat Chris Allen twice. Um, nice. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. I like that too. <laughs> I really shouldn't say that. He's on my team. Um, not dealing Same with team. Separate Same team. Um, I think that was a kind of a monumental moment too, when the, uh, Epsilon squadron cadet dropped down to 25, because sometimes you hit certain benchmarks. We're seeing the same thing with X-Wings there, where once they drop down to like a more significant number, X-Wings dropping to 40 means you can run five in a list now, which is a huge jump rather than just seeing like a drop from 42 to 41, 41 to 40 is a way bigger drop. Same with the first order stuff. So seeing them drop down to where you could now fit eight in a list, um, kind of changes the dynamic because I think people would kind of be shocked by how significant a difference that one little TIE fighter makes. Like oh, yeah. if you were running seven yep. FOs, I would think um, not good enough. It seems cool, but it's a little too volatile. Eight. Okay. A little more consistent there. There were three guys running the Focho at the tournament and they all made cut. Um, and I just happened to knock out two of them and it was just a really bad matchup for them. And if they don't hit me, uh, as a matchup, I think they do very well. Uh, as just kind of a, an aside, it's hyperspace legal, and I think it's going to be really good in hyperspace when you don't have to worry about Seer. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty prevalent, and I feel like if anything hits the Sep Swarms, like if we see any points updates, not that I'm expecting an emergency one, but if they do become a problem, um, if these didn't get hit also, these I think are just going to become the dominating swarm. I mean, yeah, it's... Uh... Three hull, one shield, backed up by three green dice. That's pretty reliable. And you got eight of them on the table. That's a lot of red dice. And a two hard that's blue. That's yeah. yep. <laughs> amazing. Along with two sloops, you have a native target lock action, so you can pick one up if you're going to block, for example. I mean, it's just a really, really good chassis. You fit a lot in there. Uh, okay, so let's look at surprises, though, because obviously um, it's you know a recent points update, lots of new lists being flown. We couldn't anticipate everything. So let's talk a little bit about the things that surprised you. So uh, let's start with you, Five Tie Reapers. What surprised you? <laughs> uh, five Reapers? Oh, uh, <laughs> snap. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, we saw some really cool, interesting scum stuff that I don't think we were really expecting. Um, their Blunky had a cool scum Drea swarm with some Z95s. Um, and Drea, I think Paul talked about it. Paul, did you talk about it? Or was that yeah, there, there were two Seeks with a tractor beam. They're all on initiative one. Uh, and then to round off the squad was the Falcon escape pod, the one that just blows up after three rounds. Autopilot <laughs> um, drone. Yes. So he has that on the table, and he just like three straights, three banks it towards whatever you're flying to just 
blow up. Um, so you have players just running away from it. And so Blair used that to kind of corral ships to say, all right, I want you going over here. And then the rest of the swarm shot at it. I mean, just uh, only Blair would fly something like that. <laughs> but that wasn't the only cool scum squad we saw. Paul, you went up against another one in the top four of the final rounds. Um, it was Fen Rao with crack shot, two Skull Squadron pilot in the Fang Fighter with crack shot, and then Leighton Ashira in the m3a with marksmanship and auto blaster cannon Leighton's ability is super cool um it's whenever you can do something that gives you tokens not just an action you should take a second look at it i would say and Leighton's one of those so whenever Leighton misses an attack or an attack misses against he she not really sure you gain an evade token which just means that if you ever miss you're never going to hit it i mean imagine if you had a force carrier that could change a force to an evade that's basically what Leighton's doing it's pretty solid. Yeah, and I think um, it's interesting to see the Skull Squadron pilots uh, show up. It's it's not super surprising. Uh, they are I-4s, and I think that's going to become very relevant here in the near future. Uh, the Fang Fighters are hyperspace legal, right? Yes, yes they, they are. are. Yeah. So I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of those high-initiative generics start to show up, and I think the Skull Squadrons are going to be one of the more relevant forces in hyperspace just because they have such high initiative. They've got a good dial, and they've got three agility, three attack, and four hull. They're reasonably sturdy, and they're going to be able to tear apart all those low-efficiency swarm stuff because they all get to work like an ace. And while Crackshot isn't legal, Fearless is. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see two Skull Squadrons with Fearless, Fen with Fearless, and then fit in something else. Yeah, pretty strong. Also confirmation, Leighton Ashira, as confirmed by the X-Wing Miniatures Wiki, is a human male uh, who's ah. on Tansari Point Station during the events of the Galactic Civil War. Uh, you can listen to me read the rest of that Wikipedia <laughs> entry in our new <laughs> side podcast. <laughs> uh, it'll, it'll, come, it'll debut right after Carson describes a tattoo. We'll tweet about it, too. Tim, did you see anything that was surprising to you? Uh, so the echoes kind of got me. So I did have to play against an echo in a echo Vader Sunter list. I think it was. Yeah. Um, and that was really intimidating. So I have an initiative advantage on against echo with Kylo. Uh, but that's not super helpful when echoes backed up by two I sixes. And it created a really interesting game state where, uh, my opponent was being really aggressive. I can't remember his name now. I'm blanking. I feel bad. Uh, he was great. He was being really aggressive with echo, like drawing my attention to echo to the point where I can't ignore echo because Echo had outmaneuver, could outposition most of my ships and just deal out a bunch of damage. But at the same time, that's just giving him time to set up Sunter Invader to come in and do some damage. So that was a really tricky game for me. I had to, you know, put a bunch of attention on Echo. Um, I didn't do much damage. I just had to mostly keep him defensive and not shooting. But um, I'm glad Echo is not in hyperspace because that would just be basically murder for my list every time if if, if she was in there. I'm glad the TIE Phantom just isn't in hyperspace. Yeah, period. probably for the best. The Imperials don't need any more boosts on the, the high initiative front. Uh, the other thing that got me, too, was just the E-Wings in my top 32 match there. Six hit points, three attack, three agility. I just could not get those things to die. So that was a little surprising to me. I would not have expected to see Rebels do so well. But making it all the way to the top 32, that's pretty impressive. And kind of the inverse of that, we didn't really see a real strong showing for the Republic. Um, I think Andrew Bunn was the furthest as far as Republic was concerned, but even he didn't have regen on Rick, for example, um, yep. with the regen droid going up 
in points. I think you saw a drop off of that. I can't say I'm disappointed to see Regen go away. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like you just saw a drop off of that, which I found really interesting. Yeah, I, I think there's still some viability for Jedi in there. I think they have a much more narrow focus and extended now, um, and they're going to be a lot harder to use effectively. So I don't think we're going to see them as prevalent as they were at Worlds. But I think uh, Bun proved that they still have a place in the game right now, and even with the upcosted regen, it's still such a good mechanic that they can do pretty good. Yeah, and we've got confirmation of the uh, LAAT gunship coming out, and then you know beyond that, once they get some more options, I think their standings will kind of level out in competitive play. All right. So um, since Paul did make it to the final table, I feel <laughs> obligated to just give him a block of time on this episode to talk about whatever he wants to, whether it's relating to X-Wing, the tournament, or just life in general. Um, especially, Paul, you wrote a really nice, uh, well, I presume it's nice. I haven't read it yet. A nice uh <laughs> Battle report describing all your matches here. Obviously, we don't do battle reports here on Radio TCX because we got to keep these under, uh, oh man, at least under an hour here. Uh, yeah. But Paul, you can give us the TLDR on your bat report and yep. anything else you want to say about the event. I've got, I'm going to give you three minutes starting now. Yep, I think I'll be under that. I'm really not going to spend much time other than to say read the battle report. Um, if you're interested in how the run went specifically game by game, I list out all the different lists that I went up against, how they went, what my strategy and tactics were. I wrote one after Worlds as well, which seemed to strike a chord and people enjoyed it. So I figured I'd write another one for LVO. Um, so far, it's gotten some good feedback. So if that's your thing, please do read it. Um, lastly, the final match, I would argue is probably, and I'm float, floating my own boat a little bit, the second <laughs> Uh, the second best 2.0 X-Wing game that we've had. Um, the first being Worlds of this year. Um, but this was such an epic two-hour match of back and forth. Um, there was action every single round. Zach and I were having a great time. Um, but there was I, that is probably the most in-the-zone flying I've ever had. <laughs> um, other than the last round. And to end in a final salvo as well was just amazing. Um, so if you're interested to see how do I fly a Separatist Swarm or even how do I fly against one, that's an amazing game to watch. To see how you can change targets, for example, as a Separatist Swarm player. Um, and then also what to do as an ace player when you're trying to dodge, keep arcs, or make somebody chase you. Um, just an amazing game. Can't recommend it enough. It'll be out on YouTube soon. Um, if you're a Gold Squadron uh, Patreon or subscriber on Twitch, you'll be able to see that game today. I, when you said uh, the second best game of X-Wing that you've ever played, I thought your first one was going to be the time you just tabled me with your Sepstorm <laughs> like three or four months ago. No, so I'm. Thank you for not shaming me publicly. That that's the best game of X-wing I've ever played. I'm saying like the best game of 2.0 X-wing to watch. Oh um, my gosh! All right, that is yeah. pretty arrogant. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's going to come across as really arrogant, but I I highly recommend watching it. Um, it just again to have a two hour match that was intense the entire way I think is is pretty rare. Um, yeah, and I, a testament to Zach. Um, but yeah, that was just, I was in the zone flying that swarm that day. <laughs> all right, so before we close out officially, wanted to definitely give out a bunch of shout outs here. First of all, a huge shout out to the uh, LVO Fly Better Grand Championship winner, Zach Bart. Did a phenomenal job. Played through what I'm sure was a gauntlet of 12 games of X Wing. Um, I'm hoping my Tylenol helped him get through that last match there <laughs> so I could just contribute a little bit to his success. Kind of had a, you know, 
back in both sides there a little bit. Also, a uh, huge shout out to both of you guys there. Paul, obviously a phenomenal run there, making it to the final table. Thanks, and Tim. John, you're, with your new call sign of Rat Boy, huge congratulations <laughs> making it not only to the top 64, but also to uh, you know do that with five TIE Reapers. You are now an X-Wing meme, and I'm just more proud of that than anything. <laughs> I am too. Thanks, man. Uh, huge shout out to the other Minnesota guys who made it out there. Thankfully, Wade was able to come out to the event. Yay, so Wade. always great to see Wade out at the X-Wing. He did some commentary, I think, for Heat 1. Uh, super cool guy. Also, we got to see uh, Ryan Creech, who made top 64 as well for Minnesota. And uh, Andy Myers was also playing at this event. And Andy's a phenomenal guy. So always love hanging out with him. Hopefully, we'll play some Marvel Champions again soon. I just want to give a big shout out to Gold Squadron Podcast. Dion coming out and streaming the entire event all three days. That's a lot of work um, that he had to do um, to make that happen, but it meant that all of these viewers could see it from their comfort of their own home. Um, my family as well, they were all tuned in to the semifinals and finals, so it was really fun to see the text message change that happened there too. So thank you for them to coming out to stream. Um, really excited to be able to watch some of those games back as well. We also wanted to give a shout out to Sean Trainer, who's a friend of the show. Uh, we got to hang out with him a bit at a couple different events now. Sean's an awesome X-Wing player. I think he's from Texas, and he has the unique distinction of being the winner of the... All right, here I go. The Fly Better, The Last Jedi is the second best Star Wars movie open champion. Um, <laughs> or I think the way... I couldn't track exactly. Ryan was just like reading the um, anagram. I think it's the Tiff Batilgist Bisuimo. That's that pretty good. I think that's. That I think that's right. pretty close. But he said it every single time after every single round. It was kind of impressive. And, and when he said it, it sounded like words. Like it wasn't just. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess shout out to Ryan Farmer too for doing a good job there, and a shout out to the whole Fly Better crew there. Everyone. I mean, I'm gonna you know by listing any names at all. <laughs> I'm going to miss uh, tons of them, but definitely shout out to D and Ryan and Dallas and Steven and Esther and Elijah and just everybody who was helping make that event happen. Um, I'm, I No way I can possibly get everyone's name who helped out, but they did a phenomenal time. One of the best X-Wing events, honestly, that I've ever been to. So huge thank you to those guys for putting it on and allowing us all to come play at their event and do pretty well. Yeah, it was a great time for sure. Thanks again, Carson, for letting me replace you. <laughs> Turned out okay. <laughs> special, special shout out to Carson. I think we're, uh, we're going to have him back, though, for episode 200 here. So hopefully we can get something special whipped up for that monumental moment for the podcast. But Can I come back to Tim? All right, John, should we let Paul come back for episode 200? I suppose. He's all right. Yes! Okay. All right, fine. Uh, we'll put a poll up on Radio TCX to see if people want Paul on episode 200. <laughs> that's fair i'll ignore the results but i just want to know how the people feel <laughs> um, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of radio tcx if you like the podcast please go on to facebook.com slash radio tcx and like our facebook page you can also leave reviews on facebook people like to know that other people are listening to this content and putting a review on facebook is a great way to help people find the show and know that it's worth listening to if you like listening, consider going on iTunes and leaving the podcast a five-star review saying what specifically you liked and why you think other people should give it a listen. And if you want to support us directly, please go on to patreon.com slash radio TCX and become a patron of the show today. Huge thank you to everyone who's been a supporter of the show over the last couple of years. Uh, we would not be able to do this weekly without that support. Again, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you probably next week for episode 200. Yay. Thank you.
you'll be an even greater disappointment. I'm already the greatest disappointment. Already great. <laughs> no, no five reapers. You're doing fine. 